Hope you enjoyed that video on 1 Corinthians 13 with a modern day challenge of what that can look like in our own lives at times. Really excited to be heading into section three of the Believe series that we've been working on. I'm excited that we are into our final section about uh, Believe. This is the final 10 chapters, as Pastor Dwayne mentioned, that we're going through. We began last fall by talking about what we believe. And this past uh, beginning of 2020, we've talked about what we should do. And now we're going to talk about who we are becoming as we follow after Jesus and take on his character uh, to look as the fruit of the Spirit. Are you excited about the weather warming up here in Saskatoon? Perhaps you're in a part of the world where it's already warm, but we've, we've experienced one of the coldest springs I can ever remember. As the weather warms up, uh, there'll be way more people, as they physically distance, still taking walks by the river. The river here in Saskatoon has a, a beautiful promenade to walk alongside that uh, we enjoy taking advantage of. A few years ago, I was out for a walk along the riverbank's edge in this beautiful promenade and following behind a little uh, child as he was walking with his family. The little boy was probably around just two years old. And he was walking along and they were having a good time together when all of a sudden he kind of took off as his parents were turning around to go in a different direction. He took off running towards the edge of the promenade towards the railing. Well, dad just kind of took a few big steps and swooped over to, to pick up his, his little boy and as he picked him up in his loving arms and began going the opposite direction, that little boy started crying because he wasn't getting to go his own way anymore. And as he was in his father's arms and they began walking the other direction, that little boy, through his tears, was crying, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. And I, thought, I was intrigued at that moment thinking about how many times I have ran in a direction opposite from God or what he wanted me to do in a given moment. And he has swooped in to uh, capture me and my attention and take me in a different direction. And how my attitude can still be, I'm stuck, God, I don't want to do this, I don't want to go that way. But the reality is, there's no place we would rather be than to be stuck in God's arms. God's love is chasing us. He's pursuing us so that we can be loved. His love turns us from running away from Him to where we actually can receive his love. We're coming out of the Easter season right now where we have celebrated his death and then his victorious resurrection on the Sunday. The realities of what took place this weekend can kind of have a legal tone to them. There was some legal work that needed to be done. We were sinners. God wanted to come and rescue us so that we could be in relationship again with him. But there was a debt that needed to be paid. And if you've ever had a mortgage or a car loan, you know you can't just skirt around the debt that it needs to be paid. Jesus came and he paid our debt on the cross on Good Friday. And then Jesus came and rose from the dead on the, on the Sunday. He was the perfect payment for our sin. And he was the perfect victor over death so that we could experience life for him here on this earth and then with him forevermore. But outside of the legal requirements that were necessary to be fulfilled so that we could have a relationship established again with God, what was the motive 
behind those actions? Why was God doing that? Our motives can drive a lot of things. If I, this very short while ago was my wife's birthday, and I had the privilege to buy her flowers and try to help her feel special on her, her special day. But if you imagine with me, if I was to show up at the doorstep with these beautiful flowers and say, Honey, here are your flowers. It's your birthday. And then went into something like this. And I'm giving them to you because almost 24 years ago, I promised to be your husband. And I want to keep my commitment because I don't want to get in trouble with you. And I don't want to get in trouble with your parents and the people that I, I uh, made my vows in front of towards you. And I, I don't want to be in trouble with you. So here's some flowers. Happy birthday. Can you imagine what that would feel like as motive behind the flowers? Would those flowers carry any real meaning compared to me showing up with a, a bouquet of beautiful tulips like they were and saying, honey, I love you. Happy birthday. I want to bless you. I'm so grateful that we get to share and spend our life together. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, and I want you to have the best year you've ever had. Motive behind giving flowers to your spouse or to your loved one if it was exposed, goes a long ways to the actual meaning and beauty and symbolism of what you're giving. God didn't come and go through those legal requirements so that we would just be uh, minions or robots taking care of his world for him so that he wouldn't have to be bothered by it. The motive behind Jesus coming to living a perfect life, showing us who God the Father is through his actions and through his words, dying on the cross, resurrecting and then ascending into heaven so that the Holy Spirit would come be with us. The whole gamut of it happened because he loves us. And as we said last week, he loved us while we were still enemies of him. And so when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we receive his forgiveness and we receive that gift of eternal life and we follow after him, we don't just receive the gift of love, we now begin a journey that was freely given to us but costs us everything because our old sinful habits and patterns and destructive ways, the things that don't line up with who God is in himself is, those ways we begin to surrender and allow him to transform and change us. We need to understand that God sent his son Jesus because he loved us. And if we remember that God sent his son because he loved us, according to John 3.16, that is a game changer and reshapes our perspective and our focus in why we would follow after God and why we would want to love him in response to his love. He saved us because he loved us and because he loved us so much to save us, he continues to love us so much that he won't leave us as we are. And so this journey down the fruit of the Spirit is all about our old patterns and old ways and, and the ways of this world being transformed because His Spirit comes within us and He gives us His life so that we can be live, begin to live the way He wants us to live and the way He has modeled for us to live. And today we're talking about the fruit of love growing in our life. The Bible's overarching theme from cover to cover is that of love and coming to redeem and rescue us. 
The God of the universe displayed his love for us, and so we want to respond to that. If we don't understand that God's involvement in our life as his follower is based out of love, then we have a real chance of getting twisted in the way we follow God, and we get a twisted view of how God views us if we don't see it as happening through eyes of love. We can start to chase after the fact that our fulfillment comes in what we can accomplish for God or accomplish for our family or friends or what we can accomplish for ourselves. We can be thankful that we're forgiven, but then we begin to search for purpose and meaning in other ways that are just in this world outside of God's love in and of itself. You see, God's love is so rich and so deep and so pure for us that his love in and of itself is enough to hold us, to captivate us. So from this place of being totally secure, totally forgiven, totally accepted, that all the actions, all the attitudes, all the thoughts, all the intentions of our life can flow out of that place with God. If we get our, our thoughts mixed up in regards to how God views us, we can actually believe that God is still mad at us when that is the furthest thing from the truth because he put all his anger towards us on Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, then we receive his forgiveness and we're made in relationship with God again. Yes, when we sin, that brings uh, something between us and God and, and it, it can bring uh, damage to our relationships and it can bring harm to ourselves. But the gentle Holy Spirit convicts us and he shows us what is wrong, not because he wants to punish us all over again, but because he wants to show us that that way isn't the way of life. It's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way that honors him or honors ourselves or loves others around us. That's why God continues to speak, of us, speak to us when we aren't living according to his love. We want to um, acknowledge that the love of God is awesome, but it's not always comfortable because he's not going to leave us the way we are. He wants to pursue our heart. His desire through Holy Spirit is to transform us to be more like Jesus on this earth. And so as the phrase has been said before, awkward is awesome. And while the love of God is secure, it doesn't always feel nice. But when we trust that God loves us, it gives us a confidence to follow after him no matter what he is leading us to in our discipleship. You see, God is chasing us with his love so that we will be changed by his love. We go from sinner to saint, dead to alive. We go from just short-sighted now in this temporal world that we live in to having the long view. God himself, when we have put our faith in him, in him has deposited, deposited his very nature through Holy Spirit in us. God loved us first, and now he's placed his love within us so that that love can begin to grow and we allow love to flow out of us. But before we worry about loving other people, we must first truly understand that God's love is transforming because he's forgiven us. And if we realize that the perfect God of the universe has forgiven us, then we need to forgive ourselves, and we need to accept ourselves, and we need to love ourselves. You see, one of the important scriptures that is in Believe is about how Jesus sums up the whole of the law, all of the Old Testament. 
It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Often that scripture is talked about our need to love God and to love our neighbor. But there's really a third person in there. And the way that it is referenced as loving your neighbor as yourself really almost puts ourselves right after God in the sense of how we experience love. That yes, we love God because he's loved us, but as we begin that relationship, his love is transforming us so that we can appreciate, love, enjoy, accept ourselves so that we aren't projecting our own pain and our own hurt and our own anger on the world around us. You see, when we're able to receive God's love and accept ourselves and, and love ourselves, we then truly can learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. We don't want to prefer ourselves over our neighbor, but we want to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. God is giving us that command. One of the scriptures that I, I want to focus on today isn't in our belief section today, but I encourage you to read chapter uh, 21 on love. But I want to read a passage of scripture from Luke 15 that's commonly known as the lost son or the prodigal son and look at a few things from there. So Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. That's an amazing picture. A son walking away from his father in those biblical times where this story was being told, to go up to your father and to demand your inheritance was basically saying, you're dead to me. I want nothing more to do with you. I'm walking away from my heritage and my lineage. I am now on my own. So we could read through those words pretty fast, but those would have been a, that would, this is a heartbreaking story between a son and a father as a son chose to go his own way. He went and lived his own way, 
And then he came to the realization, the Bible says he finally came to his senses. And as he went home, the father ran after him. It's an amazing picture. What would have taken place, because that loving father, I believe, was the same loving father on that, at that house, on that farmyard, wherever this story was to have taken place. That father was still loving when his son walked away from him, not just when he was running home. What would have taken place in that son's heart that would have him walk away? Why was he not able to receive his father's love in the first place and therefore not, also, not able to give it either? Well, I want you to imagine that that son's love is like a body on a crime room floor that was murdered, that that love was killed. And we're a bunch of FBI investigators trying to check out what happened. And I want to look at those, those words FBI as to what killed possibly the love in that son and how it will affect us if we go down that same road. So first, that prodigal son focused on himself. If we focus on self, we lose a perspective and we are unable to see what God is trying to bring to us or what God is trying to bring to us through other people. Kerry Newhoff says this phrase. He says, A life devoted to self ultimately leaves you alone. We become looking out for number one to the extent that there is no one else we'd be looking out for. And I think in our world, it is very easy. It's part of our sinful nature and, and uh, fleshly tendency to look out for number one, to take care of our flesh or our body or our preferences or our comforts or our likes sometimes to the disdain and the displacement of others around us. When we start to focus on ourselves at the exclusion of others, we are on a track that this son was on. The B is that that son believed the lies. Whatever social media was taking place 2,000 years ago, that son knew that there was some other life that he wanted to live without being a part of the family business. This isn't a sermon saying that uh, children need to take over the family business at all, but that was this son's inheritance was going to be able to stay with his father and do that. But he believed the lies. He believed that there was more for him outside of the, the realm of the father's love than staying within the realm of his love. And he began to chase after the world with riotous living, a version says. And it would be the wine, women, and song type of motif. And he, as long as he had money, there was always friends to be around him. But when the money ran out, he found himself all alone. If we actually look at the world around us, we can be, and with eyes that are wanting all that it pretends or, or shows to offer, we can start to believe that lie if we're only looking in that direction. We need the truth of the Father's love to keep us anchored into what is truly meaningful, truly uh, accepting and aligning our heart with Him. Because if we just focus on the world, we can start to believe the lies and go the way that the Son did. And then finally, in the eye, we can ignore the truth. The Son ignored the truth of just how much His Father loved Him. And one of the gripping things of this story is as the loving father showed himself at the end and was also that loving father at the, the beginning, this son ignored that truth. 
and he went through a whole process with riotous living, blowing through all his money, and then he went to work for a farmer feeding pigs, not getting paid, not even getting food, and then it says he finally came to his senses. The reality is that offer and that invitation to come home was open at any time, I believe. He could have turned around and came home to his loving father as soon as he was walking down the lane with his inheritance. He could have had moments of loneliness when he was partying and realized he could have came home. He could have walked home instead of walking to a farmer trying to find a job feeding pigs. But no, it says that he finally came to his senses. If we blatantly ignore the truth, we get to live in the reality of our own kind of creation and the world that we live in. Friends, if we focus on ourselves, if we believe the lies that the world gives, that fulfillment is out there, and if we ignore the truth of God's love and the, the purity of his invitation, we stand the, the possibility of going the way of that prodigal son. And not only then not being able to love others, but simply not receiving the Father's love that transforms us and prepares us and comforts us to be able to live loved ourselves and loving those around us. I want you to watch this uh, short retelling of the scripture on the prodigal son by the skit guys. really want you to pay attention to the, the description and the way that the, the father is portrayed and internalize that into your heart that that's the father's love for you. You ever get tired of your just boring day-to-day -day life? I do. I should say I did. Then I decided to do something about it. Conventional wisdom says you live your life, you grow up, your parents die, they leave an inheritance for you. That wasn't working for me. I wanted to enjoy that inheritance now, so I decided to do something about it. So one day, I walked straight up to my dad, looked him square in the eye, and I said, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. That's what my youngest son said to me. At that moment, all I could think of was, I'd like to give what's coming to him right now. But he's my son, and I love him. And as much as it put an ache in my heart, I gave him the money, and I told him that he could go search for a life on his own. Not long after that, he packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, I was out of there. The friends, the food, the clothes, it was, it was great until my son's money ran out around the same time the country hit a recession. It was bad, really bad. I'd squandered everything my dad had given me and uh, I didn't have anywhere to live, anything to eat. So it was, it was hunger pains, the constant reminder of how I'd squandered my life away. I, I lived in agony day day after day after day I would watch and I would wait and my heart would ache as only a heart can from a parent to a child but hear me on this I never once gave up on my child I knew that he would come back one day one day it hit me I realized my dad's lowliest worker was living like a king compared to me so I had an idea see I would go up to him and and I would humbly just ask him for a job. I I couldn't expect him to take me back as his son, but maybe he would give me a job, just maybe. 
It was a beautiful day. I was sitting there on the porch, just enjoying the cool breeze, and that's when I saw him. He stood up, he, he looked in my direction, and he squinted his eyes to kind of get a better look at me. Wondered if he would take me back. And then my dad jumped off the porch. You know what I did next? I ran. I've never seen him run so fast. He, he, he was like, he was like this kid who was excited about something. And then, and then I realized he was excited about me. My heart was pounding so fast, I just had to get to him. He was running at me with his arms stretched out as if to say, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home. And as I got closer to him, I could, I could see tears in his eyes. My dad was crying. Tears of joy. And you know what my boy did next? He jumped. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I, I jumped right into my dad's arms and you know what he did? Well, I fell backwards. He, he's a big boy. He held me. He held me like only a father could. I just kept saying to him over and over again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve to be called your son. My son. My son is home. Get him some clean clothes. Get him some shoes for his feet. Let's prepare a meal. No. No. Let's prepare a feast. For my son will no longer live as an orphan. Today we will celebrate, for all my hopes have come true. I guess, uh, I guess it was hope. Hope that kept me going all those days. Hope that my father would show me mercy. Hope that somehow he would take me back and that I could be forgiven. Forgiven? It is all forgiven, and it is forgotten, and I will never bring it up again. There is no anger, there is no shame, there is no blame. All that's left is just pure joy. For my child was lost, and now he's found. I think that was an amazing picture of the father's heart and the love and the excitement to go after his son. In this message on love today, that's really all I'm trying to convey, is that the Father God is enthralled with you and loves you and has a, a radical love for you, that if we can actually grip the intensity of his love for us and how much we are valued and accepted and appreciated, that that is enough to flip our focus to follow him and to allow his love to transform us so that his spirit can grow within us so that we have love to offer to the world. But there's another thing that that son needed to do in order to experience the father's love after he had walked away. He basically had to repent. He had to turn away from his own will to go after his father's will. He had to turn from his own direction and say, I'm going in the wrong direction and go in a total different direction in the direction of the Father. And when he went in the direction of the Father, 
that father saw him and ran towards him. All that son's inhibitions and apprehensions and anxiety about maybe my father won't accept me, but at least I'll just get to be able to be a worker and at least have food on the table. They vanished in a heartbeat as his father embraced him, put a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, stirred up the celebration organization to begin the party, to kill the the fattened calf, to have a feast in his honor. That was what was being, that's the type of love that was being expressed and poured over this son that had walked away. But that son would never have received it if he hadn't repented and turned to go toward his father. We need to turn from our own ways and go to him in different areas of our life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're still on a discipleship path and there are still areas of our life that we tend to go in our own direction, that tend to be destructive to ourselves or to the people around us or don't honor God and, and his purity and his holiness that we need to repent and turn away from because it actually impedes and slows down our relationship with him. There is a need for us to be repenting and turning from our own will towards God's will so that we don't give in to the tricks and the temptations of the enemy, but rather we uh, thrive from the source, God as being love himself, so that we can be transformed and then love others. 1 John 4, 7-12 says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how, how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. That's what we want. We want to dwell and bathe and swim in the fact that God is love and he loves us. And because he loves us, we are safe with him. And because we're safe with him, his love can be brought to full expression in us so that we can love others and the world around us. We can't just strive and try harder. We can rest in God, enjoy him, acknowledge that we are loved, and do what he's asking us to do. God's love turns us from chasing after love to simply being loved. And knowing and experiencing this love changes our life. I want to pray with you as I close this part of the service. And maybe you're someone that you just haven't been able to experience God's love. You've asked for his forgiveness, but you still feel shame or guilt or condemnation. I want to pray today that you get a fresh understanding and glimpse of God's love for you. And I also want to pray that God's love will be transforming all of us that he will not just chase after us, but he will capture us and catch us, and we will be transformed by that. And in this world, that coronavirus time, and in this world of uncertainty and job loss and health uncertainty, that we would truly rest in God's love because it transforms and it sets our sights 
in the right direction so that we can follow after him. If these words express your heart, would you pray after me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that your love for me is intense, extensive, and radical. I want to follow you. Fill me with your love. I repent of my old ways that are contrary to your ways. I turn to you to enjoy you, to enjoy your love, and to have you transform my life. Jesus, I pray for all, all people that are listening and watching right now. And I ask, Jesus, that you would indeed help us not to try harder, but enjoy you more. And that we would be transformed by your love. And that the world would know us by our love for you and our love for each other. God, I pray today that there would be hearts transformed, come against fear and anxiety, condemnation and shame, and those lies that the enemy wants to place on those who are following you, that we could live in freedom and in joy and in your love. Father, I pray blessing on each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have a testimony surrounding that or if you're still struggling with that, would you reach out to us? We'd love to pray for you. Please phone us or email us or comment on your screen right now or ask, ask for prayer. We want to be available to, to uh, help you come to victory in experiencing God's love and the transforming power that it has for you. Would you worship together with this amazing song about God's love? And then I'll be back to close the service.